Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. Let's get straight into doing our exegesis today. So we're looking at the gospel reading from today's Mass. Let's take a look at it first by reading the passage and then we'll go through it verse by verse. So today's reading is Matthew chapter 15 verses 29 to 37 and I've also included verses 38 to 39 in this as well because they finish off the story quite nicely. Jesus reached the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he went up into the hills. He sat there, and large crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the crippled, the blind, the dumb, and many others. These they put down at his feet, and he cured them. The crowds were astonished to see the dumb speaking, the cripples whole again, the lame walking, and the blind with their sight, and they praised the God of Israel." But Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for all these people. They have been with me for three days now and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them off hungry. They might collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in this deserted place to feed such a crowd? Jesus said to them, How many loaves have you? Seven, they said, and a few small fish. Then he instructed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks and broke them and handed them to the disciples, who gave them to the crowds. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they collected what was left over of the scraps, seven baskets full. Those who ate were four thousand men, beside women and children, and sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. So what's the context of this reading? Jesus has been doing ministry all over Galilee, and just prior to this, he's been journeying through the region of Tyre and Sidon. And what we have today is the story of the feeding of the 4,000, not the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 happened earlier in the chapter just before this one, in chapter 14, but we get to chapter 15 today, and it's the feeding of the 4,000. Now, you wouldn't know that based on today's lectionary reading because... The lectionary reading stops at verse 37, and it doesn't tell you how many numbers of people there are. But if you read on in verse 38, it says there were 4,000 men, and that's why I've included it in today's reading, to help make it clearer which incident we're talking about. So Matthew includes both the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000, and he narrates both events in such a way that he highlights their similarities and their differences. I've heard some scholars say that Matthew is quite confused. He's got two different versions of the same story. Clearly, that's not the case. Matthew is a much better writer than that. Clearly, Jesus did two different feedings on two different occasions. Verse 29 says, now the original here actually has another phrase, which is Jesus went on from there, which means he moves from Tyre and Sidon. That's where he just was. And he reached the shores of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. So that's the setting, the Sea of Galilee, the lake although he's probably still on the Gentile side of the lake in the region of the Decapolis. So keep that in mind. He's probably still on the eastern side of the lake, which is the Gentile side. He went up into the hills. So the Sea of Galilee has lots of hills even today. And it says he sat there. So he's probably sitting down in the teaching position there. Verse 30 large crowds came to him. So by this point, Jesus has become very well known all over Israel. In fact, some people have come from so far away to see him 
that they actually stay with him here in the hills for multiple days. They can't go home to the villages because it's too far away. So the fact that they stay with him for multiple days indicates just how far people are traveling to see him. And they came to him bringing the lame, the crippled, the blind, the dumb, and many others. These they put down at his feet and he cured them. So this is a summary statement. Jesus cures many people here, cripples, blind, dumb, probably thousands of people, nameless people that we give, never get to know their names, but Jesus cured many of them in, his, in these early stages of his ministry. Verse 31, the crowds were astonished to see the dumb speaking, the cripples whole again, the lame walking and the blind with their sight, and they praised the God of Israel. So the crowds here glorify the God of Israel. And that's what the Messiah has come to do. He hopes that people will glorify God through him. The fact that it says here they glorify the God of Israel, that would suggest that most of the crowd is Gentiles. It doesn't say they glorified the Father. It says they glorified the God of Israel. So the Gentiles that Jesus is healing here are realizing that God is real. And Matthew here says that they glorify the God of Israel. This is a big success story for the kingdom. Gentiles through Jesus' ministry, are coming to God. Verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, so he says this just to the disciples, I feel sorry for all these people. Or you can translate that, I have compassion on the crowd. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, he has compassion on the crowd too, but for a different reason. Here, he has compassion because they have been with me for three days now and have nothing to eat. So here, Jesus tells us that the crowd has been with him there for three days. So they must be coming from far and wide if they've been staying for that long and they haven't got anywhere else to stay at night time. He says, I do not want to send them off hungry. They might collapse on the way. Or you can translate this, I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Notice how concerned Jesus is for their physical welfare. It's true that Jesus wants people's spiritual welfare, but... He actually is concerned with their physical welfare too. He doesn't want them to faint on the way home. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus' concern for the crowd is that he specifically says they're like sheep without a shepherd, as in they need spiritual guidance. Here, he's more concerned with their physical well-being. He doesn't want to send them away without food or they might collapse. Verse 33, his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in this deserted place to feed such a crowd? So the disciples rightly point out that they're actually a long way from bread. They're a long way from any local markets. Where they are on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, it's basically a wilderness area. There's not a whole lot of villages around. So they say, where could we get enough bread in this deserted place to feed such a crowd? In a sense, this echoes Moses' complaint in Numbers chapter 11, verse 13. How can I lead these people? How can I feed them? So it's a similar kind of language. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples complained earlier, but their complaint was different. In the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples complained that they don't have enough money. But here, that's not the concern. Here, the concern is the market is too far away. Maybe they're just making excuses. They seem to have a pattern of this. Now, keep in mind, Jesus probably planned to do this miracle all along. Jesus knew what the solution would be. He just wanted to see if his disciples would pick up on it. Jesus asks them how many loaves the disciples have. He probably does this. He asks them the question to remind them of what happened last time. So it's supposed to be when he asks them how many loaves do you have, hopefully the disciples remembered what happened last time. Now, in this case, the disciples tell Jesus 
they have seven loaves and a few small fish. It's a different number from the feeding of the 5,000. Here, we have seven loaves and a few small fish. Now, that's barely enough to feed the apostles. Verse 35, Jesus instructed the crowd to sit down on the ground. So he tells the crowd basically to get ready for a meal. Verse 36, he took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks and broke them. Now, we know from particularly the writings of the Essenes at Qumran that the leader of the table would typically do this in Jewish society at the time. If there's a big significant meal, the leader of the table would bless the bread and break it. And here the specific word gave thanks is used. Matthew says he took the loaves and fish and gave thanks and broke them. So he could have used the Greek word for blessing, which is what you would normally do at a meal. But Matthew specifically says he gave thanks. And the Greek word for that is Eucharistio. Matthew is probably deliberately using the word Eucharistio, gave thanks, in order to highlight or to remember the Last Supper, which happens later in the gospel. Very similar language is used here. It says he handed them to the disciples who gave them to the crowds. So notice Jesus is getting the disciples involved in this miracle. He's handing the food to them, and then the disciples hand out the food to the crowds. Jesus is probably teaching the apostles that they will have the role of feeding his flock after he's gone. So in a sense, it points to their priesthood. It points to the role that they will play in literally giving people the Eucharist, the real bread from heaven, after he's gone. So there's a foreshadowing here. Now, at what point does the multiplication happen? It doesn't tell us, but it seems that the multiplication probably happens in the process of distributing the food to the disciples, because the Greek word here implies that Jesus kept on giving bread and fish to the disciples. He just kept giving it to them. So in the process of Jesus giving the food to the disciples, it just keeps multiplying. Verse 37, they all ate as much as they wanted. Or we can translate this, they all ate and were satisfied. Now, you'll hear some terrible commentaries and some terrible exegesis of this passage by some sceptical or progressive scholars who say that the real miracle here is not that the food multiplied, it's just that everyone shared with each other, and that is the true essence of what happened here. Clearly, the text is not trying to say that. It's trying to say that, every, it literally says here, everyone in the crowd ate as much as they wanted, as in they were full. There's a whole lot of food going around here. They're not sharing, they're not rationing it. There's a lot of food and everyone gets full. Somehow there was enough food so that they could just keep eating until they were full. That's the miracle. Somehow it's miraculously multiplying. Now, similar things have actually happened in the Old Testament. If you know your Old Testament well, the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4 He takes 20 loaves and he multiplies them for 100 men and he still has some left over. So there is a precedent for this in the Old Testament. Multiplying bread happened. Elisha did that in the Old Testament. But here Jesus started with fewer loaves. So Elisha had 20, Jesus had 7, and he still fed a larger crowd. So Elisha fed 100 men, Jesus fed 4,000 men plus women and children. So Matthew may be trying to emphasize that Jesus is greater even than the prophets, like Elisha. And Matthew goes on, they collected what was left over of the scraps. So they collect all the scraps. And for a big meal like this, the disciples would want to collect any scraps they could to use as future meals. So it makes sense that they collect the leftovers. Interestingly here, the Greek word for the basket, for basket is different than the one that's used in the feeding of the 5,000. So here, 
The word that's used seems to denote a generic large basket, whereas in the feeding of the 5,000, the Greek word that's used for basket refers to Jewish wicker baskets. So already here we have a pointer that we're dealing here with a different crowd that don't use Jewish wicker baskets. They're probably Gentiles. Jesus here is primarily feeding Gentiles, not Jewish people. And there's seven leftover baskets. Now, this could just be a coincidence. Maybe that's just the number that's left over. Some scholars think there could be some significance to the number seven. One proposal is that, so in the feeding of the 5,000, there's 12 leftover baskets. Maybe that represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Whereas here, there's seven baskets left over. Maybe that represents the land of seven nations. That's how Canaan is described in Deuteronomy 7 verse 1. So, in the Old Testament, this idea of the seven nations was sort of a, a way of referring to the Gentiles in general. So that's a one possible proposal here. And certainly, Jesus has just talked to a Canaanite woman earlier in Matthew 15. So all of this might be in the background. The seven baskets may actually represent the Gentiles in quite a real way. Matthew's readers, who were Jewish and they knew their Old Testament, they probably would have picked up on these links and they would have drawn their significance. We get to verse 38. You won't hear this verse in today's reading, but we're going to include it to round it out. Verse 38, those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So the number of the crowd was 4,000 men plus women and children. And given that they probably had large families back then, there's probably over 10,000 people here, possibly 15,000 on the hills of the Sea of Galilee here. Some scholars think that the number 4,000 might also have symbolic value. Maybe that represents the four corners of the compass. In the Bible, four typically represents the world, the four directions of the world. So maybe, again, 4,000 Gentiles here represents the whole world. That's certainly possible. So most scholars suggest that the difference, the key difference between the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 is that the 4,000 that we've heard today involves Gentiles. Jesus here feeds Gentiles, whereas the feeding of the 5,000, he feeds Jews mostly. The fact that Matthew and Mark as well include both stories suggests that the kingdom of God is open to all. That's how the readers would have understood it. The kingdom of God is open to both Jews and Gentiles. But there's an order. The Jews get the food first, they get the miracles first, and then the Gentiles get the leftover scraps from the table. Remember what the Canaanite woman said in the story just before this, Jesus spoke to the Canaanite woman and she said, yes, it's true that the Jewish people have the first rights to the kingdom, but it's also proper that the Gentile people get the scraps which fall from the table. So this is probably quite a visual uh, representation of this. The Jews get the miracle first in the feeding of the 5,000, and then the Gentiles get the miracle afterwards. Jesus allows the Gentiles to have a share of the blessings he has come to give primarily to the Jews. And then Jesus sends the crowds away. So he sends them back home to the various places they came from. He gets into the boat and goes to the region of Magadan. So Jesus gets into the boat and crosses the Sea of Galilee to somewhere. Now, Mark's version says that he goes to a place called Delmanutha, and we don't know where that is. Scholars have not been able to locate precisely where Delmanutha is. Magadan is also a little bit unknown as well. But given the similarity to the word Magdala, It's probably the case that Magadan and Delmanutha both refer to Magdala. So Jesus crosses the sea to go to Magdala, which is indeed on the Sea of Galilee. And they have found the town of Magdala today. 
So that's the end of our text today. The next section is Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 12. That's actually never read in the lectionary, so we'll cover that as a bonus episode if you want to hear a verse-by-verse exegesis of the start of the next section. Go on to the Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And in that section, Jesus has a discussion with the Pharisees about signs, and also he talks about the yeast of the Pharisees. The next section of Matthew 16, which is read, is verses 13 to 20, and that's the famous passage where Jesus speaks to Peter and makes him the rock, It says where he says, on this rock I'll build my church, a very famous passage in Catholic theology. So that's actually read several times in the liturgical year. So if you want to hear that next section of Matthew, it's on Thursday of week 18 in Ordinary Time, also on the Feast of St. Peter's Chair every year, and the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. So it's a very commonly read passage. Let's turn to the Catechism to see what the Catholic Church learns from Matthew chapter 15 today. So paragraph 1335, this is in the section about the Eucharist. It says, The miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, when the Lord says the blessing, breaks and distributes the loaves through his disciples to feed the multitude, prefigure the superabundance of this unique bread of his Eucharist. So here the Catholic Church teaches that the multiplication of the loaves, where Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, quite literally is a prefigurement of the Eucharist. It's designed that way. And then paragraph 1329, again, this is in the section about the Eucharist. It's in the part about what are the different names for the sacrament of the Eucharist. One of the names is the breaking of the bread, because Jesus used this rite, a part of a Jewish meal, when as master of the table, he blessed and distributed the bread, above all at the Last Supper. So we'll leave it there for today. I hope you learned something new. If you have, share the podcast around and we'll see you again tomorrow.